Hi, I'm Pinny. I'm Astrid. And welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that decolonizes history one story at a time. So we're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country and essentially appreciate the identity of each nation. Um, and through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Hello and welcome back to It's a Continent. Hello, and hello. Hello if you're joining us today for the first time. Um, it doesn't matter. You can listen to our podcast in any order or in order of which countries you're interested in the most. Welcome. Before we get going, how are you doing? Uh, I've lost count of the days. <laughs> Every day feels Honestly, like this is like a day. constant deja vu, doesn't it? <laughs> it so like, have I done this before? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I did um, it yesterday, the day before that, the day before that. Yeah. I have found something that has, well, you found it and then told me about it, that has basically yep. already made 2021 for me, and that is Bridgerton. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Duke, he's the plot, so. <laughs> <laughs> he's come out here to save the year, and he's managed to do it in a matter of weeks. You know what's bad? This time last year, where we not just watching Tiger King? <laughs> mm. We have evolved. We have moved on from Tiger King. Look at us. <laughs> in high society I love it it's what we deserve it is what we deserve absolutely like, oh, so grateful for Shondaland moving to Netflix because yeah. if this is the standard we're getting I cannot wait yeah bring it on as usual and for the news listeners we have our African pride segment where we recognize a person who's just doing amazing and wonderful things in the continent. My one this week is linked to, I don't want to call it my New Year's resolution because it's not because every time oh, yeah. I try and set it up and I'm like, I never do it. So look, you just don't know what the year is going to give you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm just calling it my commitment. It's basically to learn to cook more traditional Congolese food. I just want to feel yeah. a bit more connected to the culture. And so I've been looking up recipes and just trying to find online tutorials on YouTube. And I came across Mohausa Shrene. Oh. So she is the founder of the Lazy Makoti, which means the lazy daughter-in-law. And the name of her company and inspiration basically came from one of her friends who was a bride-to-be. And she was basically looking for cooking lessons on South African cuisine and she couldn't find anything. That moment led to her creating the Lazy Makoti, where Mohal provides cooking lessons for those looking to learn to cook traditional South African cuisine. She's also hosted a TV show called Cooks for Life, where she shows kind of easy and healthy ways of preparing South African cuisine. And recently she's released her book, The Lazy Makoti's Guide to the Kitchen, which basically gives you a step-by-step -step guide on creating traditional African meals at home. I feel like I've just done an ad. This is by no way sponsored by her, but it was just like... <laughs> <laughs> but just fangirling at all the amazing things she's managed to achieve. Like, honestly, it just takes one idea. I'm like, I would have loved to have come up with this idea, but... Yeah, instead skills... we just had, like, Jamie Oliver, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Out here making jerk chicken for us all. Love it. <laughs> Jamie Oliver's jollof rice versus my jollof rice. Hmm, oh, who's going to hmm. win? <laughs> Her book became South Africa's top 10 best-selling local book of 2020. And of course, she made one of my favourite lists and I'm manifesting it, as always, four years left 
Forbes African 30 under 30s list. 30 under 30. I'm always like, yeah, um, 30 is waiting on me at the door. Is it knocking or is it just waiting it's, still? It's just, it's waiting. Its head is tilted. It, it is just waiting on me at the door. <laughs> is this the one? <laughs> That is my African pride this week. So yeah, please do go out and check her out. She's doing some incredible things. This week, we are in Chad, the fifth largest country on the continent. So just to give you a sense of location and actually also a sense of the size of Chad as well, it's bordered to the north by Libya, to the east by Sudan, the south by the Central African Republic, and on the west by Cameroon, Nigeria and Niger. So that is that, that's quite a lot of landmass, even though the maps might not yeah. suggest that. It's, it's a lot. It is pretty huge. Every time you say Chad, honestly, it reminds me, you were like, Chad just sounds like some American. It sounds like an American volunteer. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do like a really bad bag, just like, hi, my name's Chad. And like, what? I'm going to Kenya to build a to visit. city. <laughs> so no hut, you have no qualifications. <laughs> but yeah, we're not talking about that, Chad. We're talking about the country this week. And we're doing things slightly differently this week as well. So we're not only we're going to cover Chad, but we're also going to look at Franco-African relations and essentially what happens once the colonizer says that they're going to leave. And a country that has always found it difficult to let go of its African empire was, and continues to be, the heavyweight coloniser, France. The term Franca-Frique is often used to refer to France's relationship and continuous control and oppression of its former African colonies. And so this includes Benin, Burkina Faso, which we covered in season one. Central African Republic, Comoros, Ivory Coast, Djibouti, Gabon, Guinea, Madagascar, which we also covered because, you know, we've got to plug ourselves here. Mm-hmm. Mali, Mauritania, Niger, Senegal, and of course, the focus of today's episode, Chad. The term was first coined in 1955 by the late and former president of the Ivory Coast, President Felix Houphibonny. He used the term to describe the alliance which exists between France and its former colonies. So, yeah, it's that weird sort of relationship like, oh, yeah, we're all bullied by France. Oh, yeah. Shall we be friends? A bit like the Commonwealth Games where you're oh, like, oh, gosh. why is this happening? <laughs> oh, do we're all oppressed by Britain? Why don't we do, why don't we do sports Let's together? Let's have a sports day. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, the most bizarre. What? Honestly, hon, I think in the next like three, five years or something, we will wake up and be like, this is just bizarre. This is just a weird thing to do. And also the Commonwealth Games, I associate that heavily with Harry from... What's it called again? The royal family. Oh, off of uh, Meghan Harry. (laughs) Yeah, off of... (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, where are they from again? But hey, they're no longer part of it. So, you know, they're off here in the US living their best life so I always like associate it with him and the royals but yeah it's just a weird thing that that has got to go yeah it is a little bit weird isn't it I mean uh, don't get me wrong I love athletics but when I realized that I got a minute what do all these countries have in common isn't that a little bit weird Mm -hmm. it's a bit like I think we said it one of the previous many numerous episodes yeah basically oh I used to bully everyone but now I'm nice um We'll come to my house my parents are out of town yeah know. and we'll also have a sports day so <laughs> make, make sure to bring your shorts <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is strange how did franca freak come to be 
When African countries began gaining independence from the mid-1950s onwards, the French government decided to review and update its hostile takeover colonizer strategy. This sounds like an, an aggressive merger, doesn't it? <laughs> No, had to bring in the business spiel. Yeah, hostile takeover. Sounded like Pretty Patel there. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I need to rethink. Yeah. Which had awarded them so many African countries. The French changed their approach by granting their colonies independence, but at the same time maintaining a tight rein on them. An article that we'll put in the episode show notes put it quite nicely, where it says the French Empire switched from brutal overseer to absentee landlord. So yeah, it's a bit like your ex-landlord still keeping in touch. You know, after you've left, you've moved on now. You've got yourself a mortgage. You're feeling great. But your ex-landlord's still still looking at your bank account. It's a little bit weird. Yeah, it is a bit. This reminded me, you know, I chat to anyone and everyone and I got an Uber and got chatting to the Uber driver. Great guy, and like really lovely. We were talking about where we came from. He was from Morocco and everything. And he gave me his number Eh? and I'm just, I'm super polite. So I'll just take it. He was not my type, nothing like that. It was just like, oh, here's my note. So I just took it. We used to just message each other. (laughs) This is where the Devon sort of (laughs) has has infiltrated London life. (laughs) This strategy was approved by the late and former French president, Charles de Gaulle. He basically saw this as an opportunity to maintain his nation's impact in sub-Saharan Africa by trapping African countries in alliances which would ultimately benefit French objectives. It's a classic strategy, right? Yeah. They're seeing that these countries want to be free and everybody's in this freedom kind of um, bandwagon that will give you a bit of that, but will actually find a way to still control you, but from behind the scenes. Absolutely. How did Chad and France begin their relationship? So this really goes way back and starts as where we normally start, which is the scramble for Africa. It's so sad that we have to start with the colonizer bun fight. Like there are stories coming in later on in this season that won't include this, but we promise. Unfortunately, a lot, a lot of our stories do start off with this. The scramble for Africa. Basically, the French were embroiled in a battle with the warlord Rabir Azuzubir at the Battle of Kasseri. Rabir was a Sudanese military leader who, in the 1800s, had occupied the kingdoms of Uedai, Bagamir, and Kanembornu, which today form parts of Chad. Rabir was defeated in the 1900 when his forces came head to head with the French who were seeking to colonize Chad. Following the battle, Chad officially became a French colony. At this point in time, the French had acquired several countries, including Gabon, the Republic of the Congo, and the Central African Republic, which formed part of the Federation of French Equatorial Africa, also known as Afrique Equatoriale Française, the AEF. In 1910, Chad was also added to the AEF. The federation had a primary governor based in Brazzaville, and each country had its own deputy responsible for overseeing their respective countries. And we see this in the Madagascar episode as well. I feel like France always had this kind of wanting of bringing their colonies together so creating really that strong sense of this is our empire yeah france in that kind of whole spirit also gave its african empire a voice by allowing them to have representatives in the french parliament as well as the assembly of the french union in 1958 as independence spread across the continent 
the countries forming the AEF requested to become self-governing. And very much that kind of request started the kind of ball rolling and was the beginning of the disbandment of the AEF, as well as Chad's independence. The French Empire in Sub-Saharan Africa officially concluded in 1960, and there were several reasons for the empire's conclusion, including the rising force of African political elite and societal norms and beliefs were being challenged with the topic of colonialism and its legitimacy being put into question. Although the story at the time was that countries across the continent were gaining their independence, in reality, Africans were seeing a redesign of the relationship between the colonizer and the colonized, where alliances were being formed between them. Mm. And African leaders benefited politically and economically by maintaining close relations to France. And in return, African leaders would act as puppets for the French government by helping them to meet their objectives. As we'll see later on, when you think about a despot, if, if the despot, you, you think about why do these guys stay in power until they're like 85? Mm-hmm. Because France is sort of, in a sense, all other imperial powers are just being like, oh no, if you just stay there, you just listen, just do what we say, we'll We'll, we've got you, we'll keep you there, yeah. which is why they're able to just get away with being so ridiculous. Also, you know, a lot of these African countries kind of, once um, they've gained their independence, they were literally like fresh out the womb kind of situation. Do you know what I mean? They didn't really have an understanding, not an understanding, but they hadn't had control of their country. So there was no clarity on, okay, how do we then, how do we see ourselves as a country? And I think that created that codependence on the countries that had colonized them. Yeah, no, that's true. Because it's easy to forget that some of these countries haven't existed for a hundred years, you know, that in their current form, you know, the changing of names, changing of flags, unless they actually, it sounds like work to use the term handover. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're speaking my language this week. The number of handovers I've done. But it does seem that there was lack in a handover and as a consequence, but I think it, it, in a sense, it always seems like it was deliberate to then create that dependency on the imperial power, basically. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely deliberate because if you do a serious handover, detailed, someone's able to pick it up and do yeah. start it off, get their feet running. Do you know how many pages I write in handovers? <laughs> You're definitely better than me, mate. I'll give Screenshots you an and everything. <laughs> I'll give you an hour or so and I'm like, off you go. (laughs) Figure it out. Chad did struggle post-independence and this was due to tensions between the north of the country, which was primarily Arab Muslim, and the south, which was mainly Christian. Hmm, this sounds like Nigeria. Religious tensions does play a massive part in a lot of these countries, especially as we've previously said around the way in which the scramble for Africa, which ended up chopping a lot of these much smaller communities into these just gigantic mammoths. It meant that people of different religions and religious beliefs just were shoved together. Basically. So once independence was given, hey, old rivalries came back. Or you're just like, sorry, who are these guys? Like, you know? mm-hmm. I mean, I am watching The Office on Netflix, <laughs> as you do during a lockdown. And yeah, they've just been a merger. It's literally the same thing where they, everyone's just like, sorry, who are these guys? Like, why are they here? You know, are they, who... <laughs> who knew that The Office would come in relevant in the history of chat? Honestly, your ability to insert random... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you bring in the most random things and I'm like where is she going with the office <laughs> and it's links to Chad's independence where is she going to take that Michael Scott would be proud <laughs> <laughs> Chad's issues were further complicated by conflicts with Libya as Chad's issues heightened the French government decided to join in the conflicts of course and provide some support of course, this support was needed as Chad was in the middle of several guerrilla movements. But this act also benefited the French as Chad's geographic position was helpful in France's military and security in the continent. At the time, there was an understanding that France was willing to spill French blood in the protection of tangible national interests. Resources could be used to justify intervention in Francafrique. Essentially, France was willing to do whatever it took, no Rishi Shunak, to maintain <laughs> close proximity with its former African colonies. Anyone who has not Googled Rishi Shunak, that guy. I don't think we need to Google him at this point. <laughs> I think he's been shamed after the eat out help. Honestly. How do you ruin your reputation? <laughs> he was doing so well. I even remember last season, I was praising him. I can't remember which, but I was praising this this guy. And now today, look at us. Uh, well, that's what happens. When you're Chancellor, you're giving away money. Everyone loves you. And then when it's time for austerity or perhaps austerishi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I can't, I can't even believe that you, you put, put, it, put, put that out there. I can't wait for the headlines. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you working for? The Sun? <laughs> the Daily Mail? What? <laughs> I'm the spin doctor. <laughs> Madness. Austerity. Madness. Honestly. Although Chad was independent, France still held control in several different ways. Chad relied on France when it came to both imports and exports, and between 1967 to 1974, France made up 30 to 50% of Chad's imports and 50 to 80% of its annual exports. So again, there you go. Also, there was the Communauté Financière d'Afrique, which is a CFA franc. The African financial community is a currency created by General Charles de Gaulle in 1945. The currency was initially known as the French African colonial franc and was introduced to unite all of France's colonies and to allow them to control their resources, economic and political systems. Post-independence, it was rebranded as the CFA and on the 11th of August 2015, speaking at the celebrations marking the 55th anniversary of Chad's independence, the country's current president, Idris Deby, declared, we must have the courage to say there is a cord preventing development in Africa that must be severed. The cord he's referring to is known by the CFA Frank. And there's a link to the blog from the LSE in the episode show notes, which goes into the economic impact of CFA Frank across West Africa. And there has been talk, although nothing has really come of it at the moment, introducing a new currency across the ECOWAS region. So that's the economic community of West African states, which I have freedom of movement for. Really? The Nigerian passport. So at least there is freedom of movement with one passport. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Much more useful than our current one. Damn. Definitely. The French language also acts as another form of control. And the French language is spoken by more than 100 million French speakers in Africa, representing almost half the number of French speakers in the world. It's almost like how Spain, um, you know, Spanish is just so widely spoken in South America. You're just like, what happened there? Mm -hmm. Chad also signed an agreement with France following its independence, which allowed both French citizens and organisations to receive the same benefits as Chadian citizens received when it came to taxes and economic activity. 
So do you think, would you reckon, do you think that Chadian citizens can uh, do the same thing in France? Well, based on everything we've done in the countries we've covered, I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. I bet that it wasn't reciprocated. No, I, I'm going to, I'm hedging my bets as well. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to agree with you there. Where are we today in terms of Chad? So today, Chad is governed by President Idris Deby, who has been in power since 1990. So that is a man coming into his 31st year of rulership. President Deby won the first post-independence presidential election in 1996 and oversaw the introduction of a multi-party constitution. So what's the point of a multi-party constitution <laughs> if this guy has just been in power for 31 years? It's honestly so crazy. And I think it just goes to show how deep-rooted the tensions were within the country that the country was dealing with post-independence because it took them. So they got independence in 1960. It took them 36 years to get to a point of electing a leader. Electing comes with quotation marks. Let's yes. just call it what it is. But it took them 30 years. So it just takes these countries time to kind of get their feet yeah. together because kickstarting a country just right off the bat is not an easy um, process. No, definitely not. You'd think this guy, 1990s, 2021, Chadians will be living their best life, you know, especially considering that the country has access to an array of natural resources from uranium, gold to oil. So That's nuts, though, that they have uranium because... I'm pretty sure that can allow a country to become a nuclear, have access to nuclear power and then therefore become a superpower. Yeah, it's just mad. Like literally it has everything. But somehow the president has managed to destroy the courts, media, opposition and civil society in order to keep himself in power. So that's the classic despot triangle there. And it's very much a classic It's a Continent episode. The country's oil revenue, for example, which would have been reserved for things like health, education, infrastructure, has basically been redirected to absolutely anything other than supporting the development of the country and supporting its people. Debbie's government continues to fail its citizens with millions of dollars lost to corruption and with the president prioritising arming his security team with the weapons they need to help him stay in power. Just to help put into context the situation in Chad, here are some of the realities which its citizens have to deal with. Healthcare, for instance. Healthcare facilities in the country are inadequate. The country has a population of just over 16 million. There are 3.7 physicians per 100,000 of the population. Wow. And 2.1 nurses and midwives per 100,000 of the population. Just to put this into context, in the UK, where we have a population of around 66 million, we have 3.1 million people who work within the healthcare sector. And even that is not yeah, enough. That's even after all the cuts, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because of shortages like these, infant mortality is high, with 8% of infants not surviving to their first birthday, and the average citizen living to the age of 53. Yeah. Like, 50... Oh, I was going to say 53 is not that far for us, but 53 really isn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I it guess, is young. I think, I think a lot of the time, it's easy to forget when the health infrastructure is not there, then a lot of diseases or illnesses that would have been treated in the UK 
in a country like Chad, it's not going to get picked up. You're not going to have regular screening, you know, all these sort of things that have here, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's very easy for somebody to have an illness that would have otherwise been treated, but unfortunately uh, would succumb to it. When it comes to education, illiteracy amongst young people is significantly high. You have over 2 million young people who are unable to read and write. And the level of illiteracy isn't helped by the fact that teachers' academic level is genuinely low. So with three out of four students are taught by teachers whose highest level of education is at secondary school level. To add to the challenges which Chad is facing, in 2018, the government approves a change in the constitution, allowing the president to stay in office until 2033, when he will be in his 80s. With these statistics that you've read out just now, how can someone with a conscience just carry on as is? What can you even promise your citizens at this point? Yeah. You see everything I've given you guys for the past 30 years. Well, I'll be checking out at 2033. It's mad. It's honestly madness. So basically, as you can see, the president is in a position of absolute power and authority. And for some, he is described as kind of Chad's greatest threat. The way in which he's behaving is because he doesn't need anyone's approval or agreement. And one of the things that kind of helps him in this position is the fact that he is protected by the French because the French government very much disregards these human rights violations and continue to support him because of the benefits that they obtain from having an alliance with Chad. Mm. So an example of this that I found was in 2019, the French army launched an airstrike in Chad against a group of Chadian rebels looking to overthrow the president. Obviously, yes, they're looking to overthrow the president, but France, what are you doing there? Yeah. It's not really common knowledge. Mm-hmm. We you know how much we hate comic relief and all these kind of images Gosh. and stuff, right? But no one knows that. How come they're coming back? How come there's no progress? And this, obviously, there is talk of accountability, which we'll talk about in a moment, but there is also some responsibility on this, the imperial sides because nothing's happening and the French are benefiting off this, for example. And that's not to say that other colonizer heavyweights such as Britain aren't benefiting from similar initiatives in other countries that they once occupied. Yeah, it's just not known that this is what's this is what's happening because they just want them to remain in this position. In this position, yeah. No, agreed. Fully agree. And uh, yeah, just about the accountability piece, if, if you haven't already, we do recommend that you listen back because we had a conversation with Lafay Banjo awesome conversation with her where we also spoke about responsibility and accountability because we see that there is a common thread with these type of dictator these old men that are just just sat there just not doing anything and just continuing to take government funds etc whilst the rest of the population are struggling and we have recently seen this in Uganda if you haven't heard of the Red Pearl movement have a look on Twitter and Instagram follow them learn more about how you can support what's happened is that the Ugandan president The current Ugandan president has claimed to have won a re-election after murdering, imprisoning and silencing opponents, shutting down the internet and committing widespread voter fraud, it is thought. And this guy's actually been in power since 1986. So again, another long-term despot. And at the moment, Bobby Wine, who is his opponent in this election, has been under house arrest. What's weird about this whole claim to have won a re-election, I really couldn't help. And as much as I really, you know how much I dislike censoring a certain Western country. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But but 
it kind of goes to show the hypocrisy in that sense as well, because we know that that country loves to go into other countries in the name of democracy, but here they are having the same issue. Yeah, just getting involved. And it really just, as a continent as a whole, we really need to put to an end to these leaders and presidents being in power for so long. Yeah. 1986. The world has moved on. It's good that social media, and as we discussed with our, in our conversation with Lape um, in our bonus last season, it is good that social media has actually highlighted these things because we wouldn't have probably known about NSARS. We probably wouldn't have known about Red Pearl Movement yeah. without social media. So there are sort of little sort of rays of hope in the sense that youth movements are doing things that are bringing it to our attention. But as you said, remember, we were looking at mainstream media haven't really covered I mean, The Guardian has. <laughs> yeah, because I found out about this. I found out about the movement literally from you telling me. And then looking and searching up on it, there's hardly anything. Everything is on social. Yeah. It's brilliant that we can at least engage with these movements and really show our support and really just learn about it and see what's going on and raise our voices because else it just gets brushed under the carpet and then you have someone like this in power. It's unacceptable. No, it is. It is. Honestly, who knew that Clubhouse would actually come in and be able to facilitate these kind of conversations because you really hear what's going on from the ground. Social media, when used correctly, is definitely beneficial in these movements, hopefully. So this brings to light an interesting question. What does France gain from its relationship with African countries like Chad? Well, according to former French president Francois Hollande, France supports Africa because we believe it has great potential, quote unquote. Really, what is this? A CV interview? Potential. You have taken. Mate, you've seen my golden oil. Like, you know I know I mean? you've been checking that out. <laughs> you lot were like, where's the oil? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm there. Say no more. You've seen that I've got uranium. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. I saw you checking it out. France's association with its ex-colonies has benefited them in different ways. Over the past few decades, there have been numerous allegations of African leaders secretly paying French politicians. Also, the keeping of the CFA franc also provides economic benefits for the French. From a political relationship through Franco-Afrique relations, France has been able to garner greater support and votes within the UN. The support of sub-Saharan countries allowed former French President Nicolas Sarkozy the sign-off from the UN Security Council to take action against Gaddafi. Okay, that's a bit weird because we covered Gaddafi. If you haven't already listened, have a scroll back. But I thought Gaddafi was all for freeing the African continent. But I'm, I suppose these countries were almost whipped, in a sense, by the French to vote. Yeah, so it's because by having these sorts of relations, you're then, I hate the saying, but like, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, to be able to place people in a certain position to then be able to say, okay, this is coming up. Of course, you're going to vote a certain way because you don't want to destroy that alliance. And it kind of reminds you of why Thomas Sankara, which we also... So, you know, all these these stories are very circular, which is where we do reference our other episodes. But reminds you of um, Thomas Sankara, Burkina Faso, um, which is episode two, I believe. But you know how he was calling out the French for what they were doing and having all these sort of puppets, especially in Ivory Coast. They had, it was like a puppet for the French. And... He obviously wasn't for the program and look look at his demise. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate because in a sense you're like, okay, well, if they don't play by the rules, this could happen. But at the same time, you can't then use that as an excuse to live lavishly and impoverish 
your people would not take accountability. Yeah, no, definitely. They're very much in that whole kind of like catch-22 situation. You're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if they do decide, okay, this whole Franco-Afrique relation really just needs to be put to an end um, from a Chad perspective, then when you're looking at the economic impact, yes, you've got lots of oil, but you need to be able to get yourself in a stable position. And we don't know, obviously, we're just looking at it from a Chad perspective, but in terms of Chad's relationship with other countries um, Mm. within the West and those countries' alliance with France, honestly, it just becomes like a whole... It's, model it's, of a relationship yeah no it, it's it's complicated to say the least that's the status update yeah <laughs> i miss those was that a status update on facebook i don't think people do that anymore unless they're actually getting married <laughs> that's the ultimate flex so where are we now in 2011 the current french president emmanuel macron declared the end of franco Afrique, something which several french presidents before him also promised but couldn't quite achieve This leaves us in a place which the late and former president of Gabon, Omar Bongo, recognised when he declared that Africa without France is a car without a driver and France without Africa is a car without fuel. But in recent times, as we see the continuing rise of China in the continent and the power and continuing empowerment of Africa's youths, some see this as a moment of Francophobia, which I'm kind of here for, with many African citizens accusing France of neocolonialism that quote and statement from the former president of gabon hit home for me because i thought he could have said africa without france is a car without a driver and france without africa is a driver without a car but actually the fact that he focused on the fuel i know this is me getting into a level english (laughs) it really hit home to me because fuel it's really focusing on those resources that that's what as a continent one of our key powers Do you know what I mean? If we're able to leverage that. Because we have just been used as the fuel. Yeah. And the piece that we're missing is very much that structure to be able to benefit from the fuel that we have. And currently, we're not in that place to build a car. The car is just, do you know what I mean? Really breaking down his statement. I was like, that's so accurate. Like, that is... That's what we're seeing right now. Absolutely. It will be interesting to see how France's relationship with Chad and some of its other ex-colonies evolves and whether France does eventually break away, but Mm. also this piece around the rise of China and its influence within the continent, what's that relationship going to be like as well, you know? Is that another form of neocolonialism? Because it's not like the Chinese government are known for human rights. (laughs) So if you thought that France let these countries get away with stuff, it's a bit worried about China. Yeah, no, definitely. Completely agreed. Are we going to see China Afrique? Actually, no, that's... (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't be China Afrique. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let the Mandarin get back. Yeah, we will. We will. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be. Oh, God. Okay. My point was there. It was in the the atmosphere. It was there. Thank you so much for listening, guys. That was us exploring Franc-Afrique relations with Chad. We will see you guys in two weeks' time exploring our next country, which... Do we know what that is? Can you give us a taste? So the next country we're going to be looking at is Somalia and communism within Somalia, which was quite an interesting view on a part of our history that we're not generally familiar with. Feel free to follow us on our social media. So we're on Twitter at It's a Continent and we're also on Instagram at It's a Continent Pod. See you in two weeks time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.